Hi, this is Bob Groves. Welcome to our podcast series that we call Faculty and Research. Nice to have you back. Today we have a treat in that we'll have a conversation with Jerry George, a new colleague, professor of management at the McDonough School of Business. But his career is interesting, especially from the viewpoint of how Georgetown thrives on recruiting a set of faculty who really have global experiences. So he started out at the University of Wisconsin, went to London, then to the Singapore Management University, where he was dean, and now back. And we're delighted that he has joined Georgetown. In all of those spots, he has contributed important work. He was... uh, awarded a professorial fellowship in the UK's Economic and Social Research Council program to work on socially inclusive innovation in natural resources, healthcare, and energy. His intellectual breadth is really quite enormous, and he's received an honorary doctorate in economics from the University of St. Gallen for contributions to the field of strategic management, innovation, and entrepreneurship. He is a impactful senior scholar, and we're delighted that he joined us recently. And uh, we want to talk a a little about what he's up to now, but also, Jerry, first of all, let me welcome you here to this podcast, but also to Georgetown. Thank you very much, Bob. It's fantastic being here. Uh, If you had asked me, I I graduated in 97 with my PhD from VCU in Richmond, Virginia. And if you'd asked me then if I'd be discussing my career with the provost of Georgetown, I'd be saying, get out of here. Uh, You must be kidding. Um, So all of this is uh, fortuitous, and it's such a privilege to be here. Uh, So thank you very much for having me. Well, just in the months you've been here, you've brought an energy to the entrepreneurship activities of the whole university. Do you remember the moment when those kinds of ideas that you've really devoted your life to How do you look back on those moments to say, yeah, that's when I I started to form what I ended up being? Honestly speaking, it always appears that we achieved a lot only when we look back. So uh, careers seem cogent and make sense only retrospectively, but not at the points of decision. I started off as a a very young PhD student in Richmond when I was 26. Uh, uh, Well, 26 was when I graduated, actually. I finished my PhD within three years. And then by the time I was 36, uh, I joined Imperial College in London, having been as full professor. So having moved through Wisconsin-Madison and London Business School. I was nominated to be editor of our top uh, disciplinary journal, the Academy of Management Journal. And then uh, by the time I was 43, I I took on my first deanship at Singapore. Uh, So having served seven years there as dean, and I thought uh, I'd move one full circle back to the U.S. So having been in uh, the U.S., in Europe, and in Asia, and then back in the U.S., as you've pointed out, it really brings a very different perspective of thinking of the research problems that we have and how we tackle those. So tell me about the decision to be a dean. We welcome you back as a senior faculty member, not really as an administrator, but uh, what was that like and why'd you do it? At Imperial, I joined as a full professor and then I did all the administrative roles in terms of being department head and, and deputy dean managing the school. And when the dean left, I was in this position where I could have continued at Imperial, but then Singapore Management University came over and said, you know, we really uh, want to build a dynamic uh, university and a business school. And I said, 
Well, we always complain about academic leaders saying that we just complain about it as faculty and as researchers, but we really don't take action to make it better. So I thought, you know, I am editor of our top field journal. What a great signal it would be that if you also took on academic leadership roles and said, you know, we have to contribute to a system where we, we are truly proud of. It's really astounding the breadth of your work. You have a stream of work that goes outside of entrepreneurship, which you're leading here into uh, sustainable uses of natural resources and how businesses uh, can indeed enhance their sustainability. So give me a sense of how you developed that side of your intellectual interests and uh, still kept other things going at the same time. That's really an important problem for uh, junior scholars as well as our students thinking about careers itself, right? Uh, Let me focus on my research first and then come back to it broadly. I study innovation and entrepreneurship, particularly how ventures can develop new business models to create and capture value. Broadly speaking, if you expand it a bit more, I would say I study how organizations change and adapt with innovation. So over the past decades, I've studied how businesses can play a bigger role in addressing uh, what we call grand challenges in our society. I've done projects on uh, rural electrification in Kenya, uh, healthcare systems for HIV in India, and high growth uh, entrepreneurship ventures uh, and scalability in US, Europe, and Asia. The underlying fact is that management and innovation are central pillars in any context. So I've had the privilege to work across countries and industry sectors by asking questions on how can we truly improve societal benefit through innovation and entrepreneurship. And in each phase and in each uh, institution, I picked up a new skill set. In Wisconsin, I built up my initial research toolkit as as a junior faculty member. Uh, London Business School was the first place where I learned how to be an exceptional teacher. And uh, Imperial was uh, where I learned about solving interdisciplinary problems uh, and working across disciplines, whether it's in healthcare, uh, energy, or environment. And in Singapore, I truly learned what it meant to be an academic leader. So in each phase, you, you sort of refine the questions and you sort of take the context and say, how do I look at this context and explore the intersectionality of entrepreneurship and societal impact? This really requires you to learn new fields pretty frequently. I get you're saying the theme is innovation and management of change in organizations, but you take on particular both external and internal forces on that, which require you to learn completely new fields, it seems to me. Uh, Correct. And I think the contribution, it is more difficult to do, but the contributions and impact are a lot more. So if I look back and then say, uh, if you look at the citations and so forth, there's a metric, how do you get to 45, 50,000 sites is probably by just working through bigger problems. And mm-hmm. those bigger problems happen at the intersectionality rather than just at the, uh, the core of the discipline. All of us in thinking through uh, you know, a research portfolio have many more ideas than we pursue. Give me a sense of how you choose the next problem in order to maximize progress of your own career and insights? What makes a good problem from your standpoint? Usually people look at it from a theory or a discipline saying, in my discipline, what is the extension 
of a particular theory. I tried to look at it at the combination of a big phenomenon to solve. So at one of my breakfast meetings at Imperial, I, I had this faculty member who came to say, you know, here's a simple problem when you talk about you know, mothers uh, passing HIV to their children at uh, childbirth. And if they had a, uh, a treatment during or within 24 hours of childbirth, uh, we would reduce HIV transfer by about 60% to children. Um, but then it's not happening because the organization doesn't quite work in how we can get that medicine to that person at that point of uh, delivery. So then it became an organizational problem. So then I, I studied how coordination of information and incentives can change how HIV treatment can be delivered in a particular context, in this case in India. So really, it's about this combination of thinking about your theoretical stream and what its natural extensions are, but looking at bigger problems to solve. And then when you send a paper in, then people will focus on the problem and say, wow, that's such a clever problem. I wouldn't have thought about it this way. And then say, here's the theoretical contribution to the disciplinary body of literature. And that's how I've been doing this. Uh, another project, when I mentioned uh, rural electrification, it's really about thinking about what is the challenge of scaling up rural electrification? Because all the well-meaning people go in and install solar panels in these communities, but then have to leave because they are sort of uh, philanthropic or NGOs and they have to leave the community. So then what happens after that, right? So if you really fix the business model behind it and take have the community empowered and own that problem, then it becomes a lot more embedded, entrenched, and successful over time. So we had to figure out all of these things from an a innovation perspective. So if you look at any field, you would think that there is scope for innovation. There's scope for us to be entrepreneurial. And that's the same philosophy then I apply to my students and, and thinking through that to sort of say, you know, entrepreneurship is, and innovation is not about just about venture creation. It is about applying a skill set of adaptation, of, of solve problem solving, critical thinking, and uh, really about risk taking, but not about big risks, but about taking incremental risks that solve big problems. That's lovely. And it looks like in doing this kind of problem selection, you accompany yourself with some collaborators often. Early on in my career, I, I looked at people who had the similar drive to want to publish a lot and grow their research uh, impact. But then I realized I truly needed a mentor because I came from a school that did not have the same research sort of level as where the schools that I'm, I was targeting. So then I said, we, I need good research mentors. And, and I sought out research mentors and then started collaborating with them. That was a huge impact on, on taking my career uh, in, a, in a completely different direction. But also at, at a stage, you, you tend to ask, are your collaborators partners over a long period of time. So I tend not to pick collaborators only for one project, but rather I think of collaborators over programs of research. Over time, our relationships will even out and we'll do well uh, together. So I tend to pick collaborators for longer periods of time and work with them on several projects across disciplines. You're also uh, a gifted instructor. And one of the things that provosts worry about is making sure the faculty are able to balance their teaching duties with their research duties. Give us a sense of how you, you navigate 
those two parts of your life? And do you see them as competing? Are they in conflict with one another? Or have you figured out ways to to make them more synergistic? Uh, It was important for me to think of how I manage my time, right? And, And I think that's the only sort of fixed element in our research and teaching and service portfolios, right? So it's just our time. And then you think through a a bit more strategically to sort of say, how do I manage my time more effectively so that I can try to do the things that have greater impact? And that greater impact is not just in research. I've found the impact that I've had on uh, students and also on alumni in terms of entrepreneurship and venture creation over time, uh, it pays off over decades. So really, you think about this and saying, it's not either or, but how do I manage both in a more effective and efficient way? And so you'd learn some sort of tricks over time. For me, even when I was dean, I would set aside one full day just to do research. And in a simple way, uh, uh, usually I'm more formally dressed. On my research day, I'll just wear a a shirt or a t-shirt, and then even my faculty will know that they will not want to talk to me about, <laughs> about admin issues on my research day. So I would go out on Thursdays, I'd be like a regular faculty member. I'll go out for lunch. We'd talk about research or teaching issues and how we can build cases together and teaching case studies. But on other days, then I'm dean. So so it, it just depends on how you manage your time and then com- communicate it in a way that people understand it. Everybody wants to support your success. And so they, they want to make sure that their work also gets done. But if you provide a way that you can uh, do that efficiently, then people would be more than supportive, I've found. I want to turn uh, your work on entrepreneurship uh, at Georgetown. And I, I know you have firm beliefs that the skills, the way of thinking of an entrepreneur has applicability to every part of one's life. And in a university setting, it's not just a business school notion. It it has relevance in the humanities and the social sciences and the natural sciences. But what's the rationale for your stand on this? Well, entrepreneurship is central pretty much to how I think we can make an impact in this world. Often I tell my dean, Paul Almeida, that entrepreneurship is the business school's contribution to the university. Right, Because every discipline has its own approach, but entrepreneurship is truly one where we think not just about venture creation, but about uh, making change, making positive change uh, in society. So I think of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs as change agents. Let me connect my research to how this has evolved. A few years ago, I wrote this article with Cardinal Vincent Nichols, uh, who's uh, head of the Catholic Church in the UK. And there we talked about this idea, it started with the idea that businesses should be a part of society, not apart from society. And we wrote about this theme of the common good as human flourishing. We wrote about values such as diversity, sustainability, dignity, and how business should be done, right? Uh, Coming to Georgetown, Common good is part of our language, right? So I've now started working on how businesses, how entrepreneurship can tackle issues of common good. So and in business, uh, sort of we think about where are the boundaries of its social responsibility, right? And how do you articulate this language and corporate purpose? So that's how my research sort of started coming through. Another project we've just started with uh, a venture capitalist and adjunct professor here, Arun Gupta, on this idea of uh, venture meets mission. That is truly to have societal scale impact. Uh, ventures need to work with government. 
another piece of that puzzle is that we can we currently funnel our graduates into banking or consulting, but we don't try to try enough to send them into uh, purposeful ventures, right? Students have this idea that I want to make an impact in this world, but then they end up in consulting or banking jobs. And we want to show students an alternative to say, we are working with entrepreneurship. It can also be about societal impact while making a profit, right? So it's not a either or again, right? So for me, the most exciting initiative that I'm doing now is our, what, what we have as Georgetown Entrepreneurship Initiative. And thank you for your support. Paul and Mayra Medine has been fantastic. And uh, so have our advisory board with Ted Leonces and our donors. And what they see is this, is that we've developed over the past few years uh, an exceptional portfolio of co-curricular activities for students like pitch competitions, uh, internships in startups, uh, venture investment, and so on. And now I'm working with uh, Jeff Reed and Brandy Bass and others on an entrepreneurship minor, which we can take across campus and perhaps to a new building downtown on Mass Ave. Uh, what we are thinking there is we want to position the entrepreneurship minor as entrepreneurship for the common good with the goal of developing students who are change agents and whichever discipline that they come from, they see entrepreneurship as a tool for truly making the world better. And that is about the skills of uh, resilience. Uh, our students have never failed in life before. So, so you throw a challenge at them and say, how do you think and solve this problem and get through that? And how do we build up uh, you, you as an individual, as a change agent, as an innovator, where you look at problems and say, there's an opportunity here where I can truly make a difference. So that's what we are hoping for and really uh, pushing that entrepreneurship as a minor. Hopefully for next year, uh, we should have that uh, on the cards. Well, Professor George, I can't imagine a better way to end the, the excitement that you bring to your work and the fit with the Georgetown values and, and mission, I think, is superb. And uh, we wish you all the luck in the world. And Again, welcome to our community. I hope you feel that this is a place where you can thrive yourself and your research agenda become more impactful. So thank you for this conversation. Thank you very much, Provost Groves. It's such a pleasure to be here at Georgetown. And I truly, truly believe in what we say about our student formation and this idea that common good is distinctive in a Georgetown education. Thank you.